hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody ought to magnify and exalt the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Somebody praise Him. Somebody praise Him. Hallelujah. Come on, it's the highest praise. Somebody just throw your head back and holler, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Why don't you put your hands together? Let's lift up the name of Jesus. We worship you this morning, God. We praise and exalt and magnify you. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. Praise God. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. As you make your way back to your seats, is anybody still feasting on what the Lord did in this house last night? What a mighty, mighty move of the Holy Ghost. And we are feeling that's still in this room today. Thank you, Brother Fish, for obeying the Lord. What a message from heaven, a word from God for our generation. I uh, would like to turn your attention to the book of Ezekiel again this morning, chapter 33. We will begin reading in verse number 30. Again, let me say how honored I am to be here. Thank you uh, to Pastor Bradford, all those who are involved in my coming. I am so honored to have been here. What an incredible meeting this is and has been. And thank you to this church for all the hard work and labor. Everything has been done so right in first class. Is anybody thankful? Musicians and singers, once again, thank you for leading us into the presence of the Lord. And thank you to these precious young people for responding to the Spirit and the Word of the Lord. We, uh, we ought not to ever take for granted what we feel in the house of God. I feel that way today. Thank the Lord for His moving, His presence that is rich, real, and tangible. There's something about the anointing that... It never gets old. Said it never gets old. I'm glad that we can walk in the house of the Lord this morning and feel that fresh anointing. How many knows we need the anointing? There's no substitute for it. Amen. No substitute for the precious anointing of the Holy Ghost. Uh, I want to be obedient to the Lord this morning. I have prayed and fasted and sought God uh, concerning direction for this meeting, and I uh, feel very confident that I am in the divine will of God today. How many is going to help me preach a little while this morning? Hallelujah. Ezekiel chapter 33, we'll begin reading in verse number 30. Also thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses and speak to one another, everyone to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh from the Lord. They come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, Thou art 
unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument for they hear thy words but they do them not and when this cometh to pass lo it will come then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them I want to preach uh, from this subject today it was just a song it was just a song would you help me this morning put your Bibles down close your eyes and lift up your hands and let's pray that God would have his way in this service this morning come on somebody pray God give me ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church today. Come on, would you do that right now? Come on, lift up your voice. Open up your heart. Come on, would you lift up your voice as you're clapping your hands? Lord, I thank you for the power that comes from the preaching of your word. God, I pray that one more time you would use me today as a vessel through which you could speak. God, give me the anointing, Lord. And God, I pray you'd place an anointing on this congregation to not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers as well. And God, we will be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all of the praise. And one more time, would you clap your hands as unto the Lord? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody, plug in right now. Let's get yoked up together in the Holy Ghost. Come on, you ought to clap your hands till they sting a little bit today. Praise God, praise God. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. To begin today want to tell you a little bit about the man that wrote our text. His name was Ezekiel, prophet of God, that acted as the mouthpiece of God to the exiles in Babylon during Israel's captivity. He preached repentance to a nation that had forsaken the Lord. But he also preached a message of restoration. That even though they were in exile, God still loved his people. And that he would one day restore them to a new Jerusalem. Maybe you're here this week and you're not where you need to be. You're not right with God. You're struggling. You've messed up. You've made a mistake. Perhaps it is that you have fallen. You come to this conference not knowing if you would still be around to come next year. But on the onset of my message this morning, I want to tell you that no matter how far you are from God, He's still merciful and always has a plan to restore you. Can somebody say amen? The book of Ezekiel is a, a fascinating one considered by uh, many Bible scholars to be one of the most difficult books of the Bible to understand. And, and there are some peculiar things in it. And you know this if you have read it. But Scattered among the chapters are some very powerful and poignant passages. Ezekiel 1 and 1 says, Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Kabar, that the heavens were open, 
And Ezekiel said, I saw visions of God. And oh, what visions he saw. He saw whirlwinds. and He saw four-faced beings that he called living creatures. He saw something that he would describe in his human understanding as a wheel in the middle of the wheel. And his visions were in many ways beyond comprehension. He did not understand all of them, but he was deeply moved by them. And it is my opinion that every real man of God that has been called can truly relate to this. There are some things that you feel and you know, things about the call of God that defy description. And you can't really tell anybody, and it's not always because God won't let you speak about them, but because it's hard to quantify or communicate them. And I want you to understand this morning, I'm, I'm not here today to throw the ministry a pity party. In fact, I feel so very blessed and favored to be called to be a servant of the gospel. But, but I will tell you that it is no light or easy job and a light responsibility. But the weight and, and the pressure a man of God must carry would crumble him if it were not for the help of a graceful God. My, my subject this morning is not that of a popular one, but I'm confident in telling you that it is still right. And I come today to preach about the importance of a man of God in your life and how you perceive him. Understand this morning that it is not a man-made philosophy or idea, not something crafted by the minds of men. But Paul, who would speak as the oracle of God, he would talk to the church in Corinth and tell them in 1 Corinthians 1 and 21, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, that it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so I want to stand here unashamedly and tell you this morning that if you're going to be saved, you got to have a pastor. you got to have a man of God in your life. Somebody that will preach the unadulterated word of the Lord and care for your soul. Just as God spoke through the prophets in the Old Testament and the apostles in the New, you need a preacher today. I said, you need a preacher today. And you don't just need any preacher, but you, you need a preacher of truth. You need a preacher that preaches the oneness of God. You need a preacher that preaches Deuteronomy 6 and 4, that hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You need a man of God that stands in the face of compromise and declares Ephesians 4 and 5. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's above all, through all, and in you all. Hallelujah. You need a man of God that preaches the new birth plan of salvation that you gotta repent of your sins be baptized in Jesus name receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and ten times out of ten a hundred times out of a hundred a thousand times out of a thousand when you get the Holy Ghost you're gonna talk in tongues I said you're going to talk in tongues. If you get the Holy Ghost the Bible way, you're going to speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. 
Oh, is there anybody thankful for this one God? Jesus name, apostolic, tongue-talking, holy rolling way. Hey, I'm not ashamed today to be an apostolic. I'm not ashamed today to be numbered with the people of God. Thank God for a man that'll stand up and declare. John 3 and 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I wish there'd be a young person that lift up your hands and thank God for the only message of salvation. Oh, thank God for the voice of truth that will tell you if you want to be saved, you must be born again. You need a preacher that preaches holiness. For without which no man, no man, no man shall see the Lord. Holiness on the inside, but also holiness on the outside. You need a man of God that will preach against sin. All over the religious world today, there's false prophets and preachers. They're leading the masses to hell. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. They're hirelings, dumb dogs that will not bark. They won't preach against sin. They won't take a stand against the world. They're allowing compromise in the church. They're watering down God's holy word. But I'm looking at some young people in this house today that are blessed of God to have men of God in your life that will preach the truth. Do you feel that in this house? There's an anointing settling in this place. We thank God today for preachers of truth. Men that will not bow. Men that will not bend. Men that will stand. Brother Bradford, thank God for men like Moses. He that'll walk into the court of Pharaoh and declare, let my people go. You have to understand that this is a man that walked into the court of a powerful ruler that at the snap of his fingers could have taken Moses' life. But Moses stood with conviction. And he told Pharaoh, he said, God said, it's time to release your hold of captivity on my people. Oh, thank God for a preacher with a backbone. Thank God for a preacher of conviction. Thank God for men like the prophet Nathan who confronted King David when he had Uriah killed. He looked him in the eye and said, thou art the man. You better thank God every day for a pastor that loves you enough to preach the truth. Thank God for men like John that'll look at Herod, Brother Fish, and say it's unlawful for you to take your brother's wife. Hallelujah. Thank God for that voice of conviction. Let me tell you something about God's men today. They're men of boldness, men of Holy Ghost boldness. God, I pray. Somebody lift up your hands. I feel something right now. God, I pray you'd baptize our generation with Boldness in the Holy Ghost. God's men are men of conviction. Men that 
take a stand. And young people, when your man of God takes a stand, take one with him. How about it on this side? I said when your man of God takes a stand, take one with him. When he draws a line, you say that's the line. When he makes a standard, say that's the standard. Hallelujah. We got to back up the preacher. For more than two years in his third missionary journey, Paul ministered in Asia Minor among the people of Ephesus. And this was a time of great revival for the Apostle Paul. He saw many converts among both residents of Ephesus and uh, visitors to that city. But, but one of the visitors converted under Paul's teaching was a man by the name of Philemon from the nearby city of Colossae. And Paul called him a beloved brother and a fellow worker. And so the book of Philemon was written by Paul to his brother in the Lord, a man he'd won to God. And, and something within this is so powerful to me. But Philemon 1 and 21 Paul said, having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. Can I just, can I obey God today? Is this all right this morning? We ought to be the kind of young people that when our pastor draws a line, takes a stand. Not only will will we be obedient, but we'll just say, we're going to crank it up another notch. We're going to do some more. Hey, there's always going to be young people in the youth group uh, that's not going to line up. Uh, They're not even going to walk the first mile. Uh, But God, give us apostolic young people uh, that'll say, I'm not just going to go one mile. I'm going to go two miles. Be a blessing to your pastor. Be a help to him. Be loyal. Support him. Compliment him. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge every young person here today. I challenge you to make praying for your pastor and his family a part of your daily prayer life. Why? Because the adversary is after him and his whole family. I'll take you to the Bible, an example in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 6. The king of Syria was warring against Israel, and and he was making plans to attack them. But God would show every move he would make to the prophet Elisha, and Israel would be saved every time. Uh, Those Syrians, they thought thought Elisha must have been listening in the king's bedchamber. Uh, But watch this. Uh, When he could not get the whole of Israel, he sent an army of horses and chariots to surround the man of God. I want you to understand today, young people, that your man of God is standing in between you and the adversary. And when he can't get his hands on you, he'll attack him. You ought to pray for your pastor. You ought to pray for his family. Hey, I'm a pastor's son. I know what I'm talking about. Come on, your man of God fights hell for you. You ought to purpose in your heart. The least I can do is cover him with prayer. As a matter of fact, I think it'd be fitting and appropriate right now if you close your eyes and just took a moment and thank God for your pastor in this house come on I'm telling you right now 
the adversary wants to do everything he can to drive a wedge in between you and the voice of your pastor. He wants to do everything he can, amen, to squelch out that relationship because he understands that flow of anointing. It starts at the head and it goes down. If you want to be anointed, you got to be submitted. If you want power with God, you got to be submitted to the order of God. Hallelujah. Somewhere in your walk with God, there's got to be a shift in your mindset and an altering in your thinking. The man I'm talking about today, he's more than somebody that you just come and listen to two or three times a week. But he's your pastor. He's your shepherd. He's the man that God has entrusted to carry your soul to. I feel the anointing in this house right now. He's your watchman. He's the one that will one day stand before God. And he'll give an account for your soul. Oh, thank God for the watchman. I thank God for the times in my life. Amen. I experienced that shepherd. But I also thank God for the watchman. I thank God for that word of warning. Ezekiel 33 and 2. Son of man, speak to the children of thy people. And say to them, when I bring the sword upon the land. If the people of the land take a man of their coast. And set him for their watchman. Listen, if he seeth the sword come upon the land. And blow the trumpet and warn the people. Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. Some of you preachers will know what I'm talking about. But I read this scripture and I tremble. He said, but if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warmed, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he's taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. I want you to hear me today, young people. When your pastor gets up to preach, it's not something he takes lightly. But every time he stands in the pulpit, the weight of eternity is on his heart. Every time he stands behind that pulpit, he does it because God called him to do it. His whole heart is in it. He's invested. And when you hear him preach, you got a choice. You can choose to take it seriously or not. You can pay attention or you can let it come in one ear and go out the other. You can listen with a critical and questioning spirit, looking for something to critique or debunk or disagree with or get offended by. But know this, while you sit there with your mind and your spirit, disconnected, unconcerned and unmoved, know that what you may receive with such shallow, casual nonchalance is anything but casual to him but he prayed over it he probably cried over it he agonized, he fretted over how you would receive it he himself winced at the things that he would say that might sting, but ultimately how you receive it is secondary to the fact that he knows he'll stand before the God of heaven and give account for the things he said from behind that sacred desk. Even the day I confess to you, there's a whole lot of things I'd rather be preaching. But when I lay my head down on the pillow tonight, I've got to know that I obey God because I do not want any blood on my hands. I've got to preach to you today. It's still right. You need a man of God. 
Hebrews 13 and 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. And, and, and you can be seated. It's easy. It's easy to obey and submit. But let me tell you, the true test of submission is when it goes against your will. And you do it anyway. You may not always have to agree with your pastor. But God help you if, you, if you're disobedient to him. Amen. We got to be submitted. Many churches today, they're suffering because they're consumed with a consumer mentality. And people make decisions regarding the church the same way uh, we choose where to eat, where to shop, where to buy a car, where to buy groceries. Uh, I was sitting in a restaurant a few weeks ago and, and, and a couple of men were discussing uh, their church and they were discussing leaving and I just happened to overhear it uh, and I was so troubled in my spirit. Uh, but I want you to know today if you're hearing under the sound of my voice uh, that God planted you in your church. I said God planted you in your church uh, under your pastor uh, for a purpose. Uh, it's not God's way uh, to simply choose a preacher uh, that fits our preferences. Uh, but God said in Jeremiah 3 and 15, uh, and I will give you pastors uh, according to my heart uh, which shall feed you in knowledge and understanding. Uh, the pastor uh, is the greatest gift in your life. Uh, God could ever give you God said he'd give you pastors and, and, and that relationship between you and him it's God ordained and it's God anointed it's God's idea it's not man's it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe and your salvation is directly connected to how you receive the word of God and how you receive the preacher I come to tell a young man here today take heed take it seriously it's God's that uh, to help save you. Oh God, can we just pray for a moment right now? Can we just pray for a moment right now? I've been traveling across this country for eight years evangelizing, preaching the gospel. And it's so troubling to me and moving to me. Amen. When I see folks in church, sometimes you preach. And it's like they got a bulletproof vest on. There's nothing you can say that'll pierce their hard heart. They've stiffened their necks. They become desensitized. And they become calloused to the preach word of God. Nothing'll shake them. Nothing will stir them. Nothing will convict them. Nothing will move them. I want to tell you if you're in that place, you ought to shake yourself. I said you ought to shake yourself today. God, help us this morning. I want to be moved by the preaching of the word. I want to be somebody that when the wind of the spirit begins to blow, while well, the preacher's preaching, Brother Howard, I want to be like that little branch at the top of the tree that when the slightest wind begins to blow, I'll move. It don't take hurricane force winds to get me to move, but I want to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. I want to be sensitive to the Spirit. I want to be sensitive and pliable and moldable by the Word of God. And I want to ask you a question this morning. How do you truly view the preached Word of God? The sad thing is, is that there are many that they sure don't treat it 
as if their soul depends on it. They don't treat it as if it's a matter of eternity. They don't view it as words of life and salvation. And in our text, God told Ezekiel the hard truth about his congregation. He said, also thou son of man, the children of thy people still. They're talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses. And speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people. And they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. And he said, when it cometh to pass, it's going to come. They shall know that a prophet hath been among them. Understand today these were not a people that had been hostile toward Ezekiel for the most part. Even with their speech and their words and their lip service. They acknowledged that Ezekiel was speaking the word of the Lord. They expressed their love to him with their words. They heard what he said. But the Lord told the preacher plainly, he said they're hearing what you're saying, but they will not do them. It was not because they hated Ezekiel. It was not because of rebellion in their heart. They liked him well enough. They enjoyed his preaching. But the Lord said it was because their heart was going after their own covetousness. It was simply their self-centered focus on their own desires. And he told Ezekiel, he said, you're like a singer. You're like a good singer to them with a pleasant voice they'd like to hear. Let me tell you the problem. They had begun to, begun to view and evaluate and receive preaching in the same mindset that we would listen to music. And they treated the preached word of God like entertainment. Help us today, Holy Ghost. Help us today, Holy Ghost. Can I tell you today, most of you young people, you got, you got Spotify, you got Apple Music, and if a song comes on you particularly don't enjoy, you can just skip to the next one. You can choose what you listen to and what you don't. Any moment, you can turn it off. You can go to something you like better, something you prefer a little more. But can I tell you this morning, we cannot view the preached word of God that way. I said we can't. Not view the preach word of God that way. God never, I said, He never intended the preaching of the word to be a form of entertainment, but rather it is the method by which we are saved. And we got to be careful. We got to be careful. I'm going to tell you something. We ought not to rate preachers and rate preaching. Hear me today. The thing that makes preaching valuable, it's not the eloquence. It's not the gifted delivery or, or the talented ability of the speaking and the preacher. But rather it is the saving truth of God's word. I said it is the saving truth of God's word. Pretty preaching's not going to save you. Pretty little sermonettes aren't going to save you. But God, give us preachers with a fire in their belly and a backbone that lift up their voice like a trumpet. That cry aloud and spare not. And God, I pray you'd give us, you'd give us young people that would open up their ears.
church and say, preacher, preach to me. I want it straight. I want it true. I don't want to view God's word like a song. Hallelujah. It's a communication from heaven to you. It's a word from the Lord. But don't misunderstand me today. We all have preachers we love to hear. I do, you do. And I believe your pastor ought to be your favorite preacher. I say, I believe your pastor ought to be your favorite preacher. Evangelists may come by and help you get saved, but a pastor is going to help you stay saved. Hallelujah. But the point I'm trying to make today is that we shouldn't rank preaching or judge its value by how entertaining it is to our flesh. But we should value it because it is a trusted vessel preaching the truth of God's word to us. I just got a burden in my heart today. When, when the life-saving, come on, soul-saving word of God's going forth, don't treat it like a song. Don't treat it like a song. Don't view it like entertainment. But God, I pray you'd give us ears to hear. God, I pray you'd make us sensitive to the Holy Ghost. God, help us today. Give us a revelation. I don't want to treat your word like I do a song. I don't want to treat your preachers and your ministry like I do as a lovely singer with a pleasant voice. But God, I want want to treat it like it's the unadulterated word from heaven that's going to save my soul. I want you to stand to your feet all over this house. Begin to lift up your hands and voice and let's pray today. Musicians come. Listen to me today. I'm almost through. Perhaps the saddest line in the whole chapter is the last one. Ezekiel 33 and 33. When this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. Then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. Don't treat the word of God like a song and your pastor like a singer with a pleasant voice. Because if you do, surely the day will come when you'll realize what you had. And the grievous error that you made. You'll wake up one day and realize the value of the gift that God gave you and that you squandered. God said those people that viewed it that day, they would wake up one day and know that a prophet hath been among them. The past tense of a prophet. The absence of that life-given voice from heaven. All because they treated it like it was just a song. I wonder if there's anybody today that would lift up your hands and make a declaration. God. <laughs> I'm not going to treat your word like a song. I'm not going to treat the preacher like I do a singer with a pleasant voice. God, I want your word to move me. God, give me the proper perspective. Of the importance and need of the man of God in my life. I close with this. I want to tell you a quick story of the horse that never was. In 1482, the Duke of Milan, it's a city in Italy, he commissioned the legendary artist 
Leonardo da Vinci to build what would be the largest horse statue in the world. It was going to be a centerpiece of the Duke's castle in that beautiful Italian city. Standing over 24 feet tall, this was no small or easy project. And after they had constructed and built the model made of clay, it was to be cast or covered with 80 tons of bronze. Think about that. But unfortunately, before it could be finished, 1494, King Charles invaded France. And uh, to hold off the French army, the Duke offered a bribe and gave them Leonardo's bronze. A few years later, France eventually invaded Milan anyway. And Leonardo's horse was destroyed, reduced to shambles. And they took that bronze and they made cannons, French army did, that was used against Leonardo's own people. And the last thing the artist wrote is he said, I will speak of the horse no more. I want you to understand what I'm saying today. In the right hands, that once pile of clay become what would have been the most beautiful statue in all of the world but in the wrong hands it was destroyed and used as weapons against the artist on people that he loved young people your attitude and your perspective concerning your pastor and the preach word of God it can produce two outcomes if you view him as just a man trying to tell you what to do man that's giving you rules and regulations to follow let me tell you what the devil will do he'll take his sermons and he'll twist them in your mind it'll become the seed for rebellion and discontentment and ultimately destruction on your soul I don't have time today to tell you the young men and young ladies uh, that I've seen it happen to. Uh, but oh, if you'll allow that life-giving voice from heaven, uh, the preach word of God to stir you and mold you and shape you, you can become a beautiful vessel of honor uh, for the glory of God. Uh, I stand here today and tell you unashamedly uh, that everything I am uh, is because uh, of a man of God. Uh, everything I am is because I allowed my pastor to mold me and shape me and guide me. I want to view him as the man of God in my life in his word as a message of salvation and truth. I want to be a vessel of honor and glory for the king of kings. Young people, it matters the hands that mold you and it matters how you perceive the man of God in your life. I wonder if we could lift up our hands and pray all over this house. <laughs> oh God, I don't want to view your word as a song and the preacher as a singer with a pleasant voice. Come on, as the singers begin to sing, I wonder if you could lift up your hands right now and just say, God, I submit myself to your will, your way, your man, your spirit, your word, your preachers. Come on. You'll stifle your growth and potential except you submit to the man of God in your life. Come on, hell will 
wants to destroy it. Hell wants to chip away at it. But somebody needs to make a declaration. God, your word, it's not just going to be a song. It's not just going to be like a singer with a pleasant voice. But I submit myself. I want to be molded. I want to be guided. I want to be shaped. God, I don't want to treat it like it's just a song. yourself to him the anointing will flow submit yourself to him God will use you he'll use him to shape and mold you into a national of honor and beauty come on don't let the devil distort your perspective come on guard it guard it treat it with reverence I said treat it with reverence Be a song. I'm not just gonna let it be a song. 